0: So we are going to start a new sermon series today uh, called Down to Earth. And the last couple of weeks, we've obviously been talking about racial uh, justice and, and what the church needs to do and what Christians should, how they should respond. And so, hey, thanks, Chris. Um, it's been an interesting. I've got lots of feedback. Uh, I know there's been some conversations in small groups. There's been things we've been working on. Uh, even, I'd say, myself, I've learned a whole lot. Um, and I want you to know that conversation's not over. It's over for today. It's over for the next couple of weeks as we do our um, sermons in a different uh, sermon series. But I want you to know that we I spent some time this week working on uh, bringing some of those resources together that we're going to send out this week if you're interested in finding books, things that you can um, read or look at. I just listened to an audiobook called Stamped, which is actually made for teenagers, and it was fantastic. If you're a teenager, I totally recommend listening to it. Um, or reading it, um, but I've got a resource page that we'll get set up that you guys can go to and find information on there, and then also uh, people ask, a couple people ask organizations that we believe in and work with, we'll create a page where there are organizations that we think are doing a great job when it comes to social justice uh, stuff that the church would want to be involved in, um, so that you can be very careful about who you're supporting and if they're making the right kind of difference, um, and then the book groups for Be the Bridge Start this next coming week. You could still get into one of those. I have a Monday night live group where we're going to meet at the church office, socially distanced, and a Wednesday night Zoom group. So if you are interested in getting into one of those, feel free to let me know, and I can get you in there still. Um, but we're not going to stop uh, talking about that and keeping that on the front burner. And um, we've already lined up another curriculum to do. Uh, once we get past January, we're going to offer another uh, either book or small group study on, on the same topic. So, um, Anyways, I want you to know that it's an ongoing conversation. and something we believe is going to be part of our church moving forward and something we don't want to uh, stop keeping on our front burner. But for today and for the next couple weeks as we talk about uh, in our sermon, we're actually going to focus on other ways that we can create God's kingdom. So if racial justice is one way that we can create God's kingdom, there are many, many ways. And so this sermon series is called Down to Earth because it's really based on the idea of Jesus' prayer where he prays God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think as Christians, we each have uh, an opportunity uh, to bring God's kingdom to whatever place we are at. And then our organization also has an opportunity to create God's kingdom. So as people and as a church, we can create God's kingdom in big ways and in small ways. We can create God's kingdom in our home, in our neighborhood, in our offices uh, or online meetings, (laughs) Um, and we can create God's kingdom as a church in a location or an area where we've been called to make a difference. And so all of the sermons in the next series will be based on kingdom principles of kind of creating God's kingdom wherever you are. And today's uh, kingdom sort of principle is the idea that um, we can be kingdom-minded. All right, so I want to start with this idea that we can be kingdom-minded. And I want to start just by Sharing with you a story. And I realized very early on in ministry that being kingdom minded, so being someone who was for the larger kingdom of God, we say around here, we use uh, language, we say we are big K kingdom people, okay? And some people are like, well, what does that mean, big K kingdom people? It means we're more interested in creating God's kingdom than creating the kingdom of pursuit, okay? It's not just about one church, it's about God's kingdom being created all over the place. And we realize. But there are many churches who are doing an amazing job at creating God's kingdom. I often talk to people and they say, why should I come to Pursuit? And I answer the question, hey, if you feel called to our mission, to what we're doing, to join us, to be with us, then I want you to come. But there are amazing churches out there that I would not be upset with if you decided that you were called to one of those churches. Because we are kingdom-minded. We don't think we're the only ones doing what God is doing in the area. We know that God is doing amazing things. So one of my first uh, events I planned as a youth pastor, almost 15, 16 years ago now, uh, I started in Granby, Connecticut. I uh, was really uh, full of myself. I thought I was the best youth pastor that had ever existed. I'm sure none of you can uh, picture that person that many years ago who was just thought I was going to change the entire world. I was ready to reach every kid in Connecticut through my youth ministry and thought I was going to be God's gift to youth ministry in Connecticut. Um, And so I was brash. I came into town and I looked for other ministries that were doing similar things and I got all the youth groups together in town and we got all the youth pastors together and I said, I just want to do a huge outreach event. We're all going to do it together. We're going to go to the uh, local Christian school. We're going to use the gym. We're going to invite every student in the entire area, thousands of kids to come to this event. We're going to share the gospel and thousands of kids are going to receive Jesus, right? This was my idea. And uh, the other youth pastors were like, "Cool, you got a lot of energy. We'll show up. <laughs> like, you go ahead and do whatever it takes to get this event off the ground. Sounds great. We'll bring our youth groups. We'll show up." So we organized eight youth groups to come together to do an event, and we had art stations, and uh, we had this hu- We made this huge, um, gigantic canvas with all the towns in the area mapped out on it, and we allowed kids to go write prayers for their friends on the thing. And We had like 45 minutes of worship and an evangelist got up and shared the gospel and we had literally dozens of students accept Jesus that night and there were about 400 kids who showed up to the event. It was one of the most incredible things that I had grown up in Connecticut, I had never seen an event like that. It was a planting churches, planting youth groups, doing things like that were really difficult in the soil of the East Coast. It's hard to understand if you haven't lived there, but essentially most of the area was not religious. You know, here most people are ex-Lutheran or ex-Catholic at least, so you can start somewhere having a conversation with them. But there, most kids grew up with no spirituality, no religion, uh, no idea of anything. And so when we started this, we did this event, we were pulling in kids who had no idea, and they were accepting Jesus, and it was amazing. And I remember feeling like God had used this group of people, and he was building his kingdom, and it was this unbelievable, amazing event And I went and I sat down with my pastor at the time and I shared how it went and I showed him the pictures and the video and he had showed up for part of it and stood in the back and kind of checked it out and I thought, I am going to get like best youth pastor of the year review from my pastor here. He's going to be like, you're amazing. What you did was unbelievable. And I remember I sat down to have this conversation with him and he said, what good was this event for our church? And I was like, I. what do you mean? He's like, well, did any of those new kids transition to our church? And I was like, yeah, some of them. Some of them came with friends. They accepted Christ. They're going to come and be part of it. But some of them came with other friends from other churches, and they are going to go to those youth groups and be part of those churches. He said, what good did this do for our church to grow our church? I realized very quickly in ministry that there were different mentalities that you could come across. There was uh, one mentality, which is grow my kingdom, our kingdom, and be insular. So, hey, we're a church. Here we are. We're going to make sure that we grow this thing. We're going to protect this thing. We're going to pull people into this thing, and this is going to be the thing that we focus on. And I walked out of that meeting and made a commitment to myself in ministry that I would never, ever be that kind of kingdom-minded pastor. For me, there is a lot going on all around us. In Minnesota, you will pass three churches on the way to your church who are pretty good and doing a great job, okay? And I believe all of those churches are necessary and important to building God's kingdom because each one of them will reach different people for the gospel, okay? Now, there are some churches who have lost their way, aren't gospel-focused, aren't doing the work that needs to be done to build God's kingdom. Then that's not what I'm talking about, but there are plenty of churches that we can band together with and work towards building the kingdom of God in Minnesota, especially in our area, together. Okay? And I want to tell you one other story. So when we were trying to uh, find a location for this church, we pulled up a map. Uh, I had been driving through the northern suburbs praying, probably kind of like a crazy person. If you had pulled up next to me, as I was driving or sitting at a, a stoplight, you'd just see some guy talking to himself in his car. Um, and I would just do this for hours at a time. For a couple of weeks, I would just drive around and I would start over in like north Minneapolis and I would just sort of drive a loop through the northern suburbs. I'd kind of go through all the towns that are up here and just pray and just look at what was around and just ask God to lead me to a place when, I, when we were looking at where this church would be located. And I believe God led me, led us to start the church here in Moundsview because we needed a church like this in Moundsview. When we decided on that, I remember I opened up a map, a Google map with, with Chris Thompson. Me and Chris Thompson were talking about it. And we were looking at all the things that were possible places for churches. And I made a list and it was about 12 things long. And the next day I went out and I went to every single thing on that list looking for a place to plant a church, to start a church. And I crossed off one after another after another. This one won't work. It doesn't have enough parking. This one, not an opportunity for Sunday mornings or for an opportunity to get people. This one's not big enough. This one's not. And just went down the list, down the list, down the list, down the list. And when we walked in here, Chris actually said, hey, you should go check out the community center. I didn't even know it existed. It's off far enough from the road that I would missed it. And saw it on Google. He said, you should come check it out. I walked in here and I felt like immediately I felt like God was saying this is the spot. I walked over to the counter, and I said to the person at the counter, hey, uh, I'm interested in planting a church. I had actually kind of walked past them, walked back into the event center, <laughs> saw what it looked like, walked around, saw the gym, creeped around down the hallway where the kids' classrooms are. Like, they probably should have stopped me from doing that. Um, and then I walked back up to the counter, and I said, hey, is, uh, I'd like to start a church here. I know it sounds weird, but like, is there anyone else— Here, is it available on Sunday mornings? And they said to me, yeah, there's a church that already meets here on Sunday mornings. And I was like, okay, well, uh, who is that church? And they were like, yeah, Bethlehem Baptist Church already meets here on Sunday mornings. I was like, they're a mile down the road. They have a gigantic facility. There's like thousands of people that show up there on a weekend. Why are they here? And I remember thinking, it's such a bummer that we... You know, won't be able to plant in this perfect location. And then I thought, well, I should ask. I should at least ask. So I went down to Bethlehem the next day, and I made an appointment with the campus pastor. And I said, you know, hey, I, I, look, I'm just a, a church planter. I used to be a youth pastor in Roseville. Um, can I st- talk to your campus pastor? And like good administrators, they protected him from crazy people out there. And they were like, absolutely not. You cannot meet with him. And I was like, okay, um, is it possible that like maybe I could just get a phone, like just maybe talk, just 15 minutes, like just a quick. And they were like, no. And so then I went and pulled some strings in the denomination, asked them to go and check it out, get me a meeting. I finally worked out a meeting. I went in the day that I was supposed to meet and sat down with the pastor at Bethlehem and said, hey, here's what we want to do. Here's our vision. Uh, but we can't meet on Sunday mornings because you have the building. What are you using it for, and can we have it? It was a brash ask. I don't even know what came over me to ask that question. And to be honest with you, uh, a person who wasn't kingdom-minded would have been like, sorry, we're good, get out of my office. Now, if you notice, there's a Bethlehem Baptist banner out in the lobby. I don't know if people have ever asked me about why that's there. Bethlehem gives the community center um, as much money as they would have paid in taxes every single year. They take what they would have paid in taxes, they take that money and they give it to the community center, to the town of Moundsview who funnels it here and it covers programs and stuff that happens here. So like, they are highly connected here. The people here said, if you don't work it out with Bethlehem, you cannot meet here. That pastor looked me in the eye and said, you know, I don't think we're going to be reaching the same people I agreed. Uh, And he said, I think this this town could use a great community church. Most of the people from our church, they come from far away. They come here. It's a satellite campus, so they don't have to go downtown. You know what? We're going to move all the stuff we have going on at the community center on Sunday so you can plant pursuit. They did not have to do that. Before we began, the reason we began was because somebody was kingdom-minded with us. We didn't have this facility location to meet in if not for another church saying, you know what, we believe in what you're doing, we see it's good for the kingdom, we understand you're going to reach different people than us, we're going to move out of the way and move our stuff out of the community center on Sunday mornings and allow you to have the facility. Now look, do we, you know, see eye to eye on everything with Bethlehem across the board? Definitely not. Are we both kingdom-minded types of churches doing God's work in the community and seeing God's kingdom be built through different ways? Yes, we are. And that's true about tons of churches and individuals in our our area. I think God is doing a much bigger thing than Pursuit Community Church. And when you are somebody who is trying to bring God's kingdom to earth, you have to be about his kingdom, not about your kingdom. Not about your small K kingdom, about his big K Kingdom and the disciples struggled with this. I think we all struggle with this. We're loyal to our thing, and sometimes we have trouble separating our thing from God's thing. Okay, so I want to show you in Luke chapter nine, the disciples struggling with uh, what being big K Kingdom looks like, and we're picking up the section where the disciples have just seen uh, Jesus do some incredible things. So he uh, he did the the transfiguration. So he took. Three disciples up on a mountain, and he showed himself to them in all of his glory. And they, like, if you read that section of scripture, it was like a, it was like a a, a cloud around them, and they saw like, like dead people who were like glorified, and they saw Jesus glorified. It was like this crazy uh, experience. And these three came down the hill and told all the disciples, like, do you have any idea what Jesus is capable of? It's unbelievable. The next moment, he comes uh, to a group of people and he heals. Uh, a kid who's got a demon in him, he calls the demon out of him, and it's something that's nagged this, uh, this child for a long time, and Jesus just calls it right out of him. So the, the disciples are like, whoa, we're serving Jesus, and he's gigantic. This is unbelievable. So of course, they were humble about what was going on, and they decided, hey, you know what? We need to find a way to, to serve everyone around us and serve each other. No, this is what happened. It says, an argument started amongst the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. You have to love this. They're basically saying, uh, you know, Jesus is the most powerful being in the entire world. We believe in what he's doing. We see that he's all powerful. But let's argue over which chair we get to sit in. All right? The conversation goes to, hey, can I sit at your right hand or your left hand? Can I be the person who's right next to you when you ascend to your throne? We understand you're going somewhere. And we want to make sure we're as close to the action, have the most amount of power, have the most amount of, uh, you know, of, of prestige possible. And so they started arguing among who is the greatest. And I could totally see this argument happening. It'd be like, dude, Peter, are you joking? Like, you're definitely not the greatest. Like, you're crazy. You do stuff all the time that drives everybody nuts. Like, there's no way. Like, Judas, you're not going to be the great. Like, they're arguing with each other about who gets to be in that place of power. They're missing the idea that Jesus is so powerful they should be on their face, humble, in front of him. It goes on, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he says, okay, I'm going to give you a little illustration. He took a child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. Jesus says, listen, listen, I am all powerful and you should just be happy that you're in, that you're part of this. You should have humility that goes along with you know, the power that I'm displaying. And I want you to know that kingdom-minded people and kingdom-minded organizations are humble at their core because they realize how small they are in comparison to how big God's kingdom is. Our church is a small part of what God is doing. Your life is a small part about, of what God is doing. And thank God, because it's not on any one of us to make sure that we create all of God's kingdom. And it's not on any one church to make sure that they create all of God's kingdom. It's a network of people, a network of churches that are doing God's work. They're all being kingdom-minded. They're all being humble. They're all being used by Jesus to create God's kingdom. So kingdom-minded people and organizations are humble. We realize Jesus is the powerful one, and we are just following in what he's calling us to do. We're just doing what he's asking us to do to create his kingdom. In 1 Corinthians uh, ch- chapter 3, Paul is talking to a church that's struggling with understanding where they stand in the grand scheme of what God is doing. There's some of them in the church who are uh, kind of puffed up thinking that there's something special and they're having arguments about who is uh, the preeminent preacher to be following. So there's like, almost like somebody's calling the church and being like, who's going to preach this weekend? And there's three itinerant preachers who keep coming to Corinth to preach. Right? there's Paul there's uh, Apollos and there's Cephas and it, they're basically saying to to each other hey i follow this guy i follow that guy i follow this guy so like i'm a disciple of this person and i'm a disciple of this person you know i like it when paul comes into town and when he preaches he's my favorite right and so people are starting to get this weird disconnection as a church where they're kind of grouping up around whatever personality it is that they connect with the most so this is what it says in first corinthians chapter 3 He says, for one of you, when you you say, I follow Apollos, or I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being mere human beings? He might as well be saying, are you not completely missing the point? You think that the entire kingdom is about Paul? You think the entire kingdom is about Apollos? You know, we could say that today. I don't know uh, how you, if you listen to podcasts, I have like a ton of podcasts in my feed, I listen to podcasts nonstop. I have things in my ear almost all the time. Uh, I think it actually drives everyone in my house crazy because someone will call for me from the other room and I won't hear them at all and they'll be like, Dad's got his earphones in again, right? Uh, Some of us, we follow pastors from afar. We follow feeds from far away. We listen to people that we, I do the same thing. I think it's amazing we have technology like that nowadays. But there's something wrong when you start to pull one person up and say, this person is the one who's leading this kingdom, okay? This person is a piece of the kingdom that God is using. He goes on, he says, after all, what is Apollos and and what is Paul? These are servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord had assigned to each task. And you could pull this out and put a church name in there. You could pull it out and put a podcaster uh, name, a, a celebrity pastor in there. You could pull this out and even talk about the people in your own small group, right, people who have leadership or authority. Okay, anytime there's a people wrapped around a figure, a person, a, a personality, we are missing the point because as kingdom-minded people and organizations, we are called to be humble. If your entire church is contingent on the personality of your pastor, what you have is a cult of personality, not a kingdom-minded church. I'm going to repeat that. If your church is completely contingent on the personality of your pastor, you have a cult of personality, not a kingdom-minded church. We're called to build God's kingdom. We're called to freely give and receive the resources of that kingdom. We are called to be humble in what we do. And I understand how weird that is that I'm telling you this. Okay, One of the weird things about church planting is that I sat down and invited almost everyone who came to this church in the first year. I had a personal relationship with almost every person who came to our church in the first year. But we've grown to a point where I cannot have a personal relationship with every single person at our church right now. It's not possible. If your decision to come here is based on your relationship with me, we're missing the point. I am nothing but a servant. You are nothing but a servant. It's God's kingdom that we're building. It's his plan. It's his mission that we're going for. And we say, what is Apollos? What is Paul? These were two of the most unbelievable pastors and preachers of the day. Apollos was this eloquent, uh, poetic speaker who could come and communicate the gospel like nobody else. And Paul was this gritty church planter who would just barrel into a town and create an incredible church out of nothing. He would just, by grit. Find people and argue them into the kingdom and you know and fight and, and and communicate in ways that like like wowed people and start churches and raise up elders and walk away to the next one. These were people that were easy to follow and get confused that it was actually about him. And Paul is writing this and he says, No, we are only servants. Yeah, you came to believe through us, but the Lord assigned that task to us. He said, I planted the seed. Apollo watered it, but God is the one who makes it grow. It's God's kingdom. It's his mission. No person is the thing. The thing is God's kingdom. It's not about the personality of the pastor. It's not about the personality of the leaders of the church. It's about God's kingdom and each of us seeing ourselves as humble servants in his kingdom. That's what makes us kingdom-minded. He finishes the section here by saying, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters... Is anything but only God who makes things grow. He said, Take your eye off of the personality and put your eye on the kingdom. Take your eye off the personality and put your eye on the mission. And realize you are a part of it, and the church is a part of it, and that's what it's about. It's about God's kingdom being built and us being humble servants. In that It means as a church, we're working with other like-minded organizations and churches to do a lot more than we could do on our own. The fact that we exist, not only did Bethlehem give us this building and allow us to do it here, right? But Renovation Church in Blaine and Cornerstone Church in Blaine, two churches from different denominations were so kingdom-minded that they said, we'll come together and we'll fund and we'll send people and we'll be the person that starts this new church in Moundsview. They were kingdom-minded, Bethlehem was kingdom-minded, and that's what created us. And we want to continue to return the favor to the kingdom. Right now, we get together in a a network of churches that are doing the same thing. There's about 20 or 30 of us who are all church-planting churches. Our goal is to give our money away and some of our people away to another church that begins in the next couple of years. We are kingdom-minded, big K kingdom people, and that is a kingdom principle that if you want to bring god 's kingdom to earth, creating his kingdom is what we're called to do. I want to go back to Luke chapter 949. This is picking up the story right after what we had first read. So this is the disciples who now uh, they had the conversation about being servants, and now Jesus continues on in another section here, and he says um, this is John speaking. He Master said, John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. So, John, he says, uh, hey, Jesus, when we were out before, uh, Jesus had sent them out on a little field trip to go and create the kingdom on their own in pairs. And he said, when we were out before, we ran into some people and they were uh, casting out demons in your name and so we tried to stop them. I mean, it It kind of makes sense, but not really. Like, why would you stop somebody who is doing something good in the name of Jesus? And then Jesus said to him, don't stop him, for whoever is not against you is for you. So kingdom-minded churches are not just humble, but kingdom-minded people and organizations create the kingdom wherever they find it. Okay? So these disciples were out. They were wandering around. They were checking things out, and they found a little group of people who believed in Jesus to the point where they were casting out demons in Jesus' name and seeing success. And of course, the first thing they did is they said, this is not our thing, so we're going to stop this. They missed the point that the kingdom is growing all over the place, and when we bump into it, we shouldn't be turned off by it, or we shouldn't be threatened by it, but we should increase it and encourage it and try to help it grow. This is what Jesus says. He goes, hey, if they're not against you, then they're for you. If they're not against spreading the gospel and creating the kingdom, then they're for it. We're always looking for organizations who are doing the same stuff that we're doing and that we can come alongside and work with. And if we find the kingdom being built somewhere by an organization, then we come alongside and do what we can to help them. That's what being kingdom-minded is. It's not saying this is our thing and you need to get out of here or we need to protect this area or we need to be the... No, it's like where it's happening, we want to be... Involved in it and understand that God's kingdom is being built all over the place in a million different ways. That there are a lot of kingdom minded people, and when we find them, we work with them. He continues, and this is where it gets really great uh, Luke 9, verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, so this is near the end of Jesus' ministry, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So Jesus is deciding, Hey, I got to go back to Jerusalem, and it's about time for me to go to the cross. I know what's happening. So it says, he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. So he said, he sent people ahead and he said, why don't you guys go ahead and get things going, get things set up. You know, you, you read the other accounts, you see they had to go in, get a donkey, get things ready. You know, get, Jesus is going to come into Jerusalem uh, as a conquering king. So they were making preparations. And it says these disciples, they went to this town, but it says the people there, did not welcome him because he was headed, heading for Jerusalem. So the people in this town said, sorry, we're not interested. We don't want to help Jesus. We're not interested in creating the kingdom. We're not with you on this. And it kind of made the disciples upset. You could see why. Now, earlier when Jesus had sent them out on their field trip, he had said to them, hey, if you go to a town and people are interested in the, the kingdom of God, they don't want to hear about Jesus, they're not willing to host you, then you know what? You just leave that town and on your way out, shake the dust off your feet. On your way out, say, good luck, sorry, we're going to go somewhere else and we're going to talk about Jesus there. If they're not willing to hear, if they're not willing to listen, you just keep moving. You just go to the next place. But in this situation, it says when the disciples, James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Come on, you've been here. Yes, you have. Yeah, if you're like me, you wanted to call fire down on people before, right? Uh, I got, let's see, how do I say this without using the phrase, the the word Karen? Um, I think that's a really um, terrible thing for all the awesome Karens out there. So I just, I I feel your pain, Karen. I want you to know that I love you. You're not the problem. Um, I went to Chipotle the other night. (laughs) And as I was walking in with my mask, trying to keep my social distance, I got yelled at for cutting the line, even though I was picking up food that I already ordered and was ready for me to pick up. And then when I got to the front, there was um, all the bags on the shelf were turned sideways and on top of each other, so you couldn't see the names on any of the bags. And I thought, this is a nightmare. This means everyone's going to touch all these bags, Right? Because we're going to have to be looking for the receipts. So I gingerly touched the corners of the bags, twisted them, put them in position so you could see all the receipts. So somebody could walk up and look at them without touching them. And then they could grab what they wanted. And as I was, I was organizing the shelf so that it would work well for everyone, I had a lady come up to me and uh, she said, you are disgusting. I was like, okay. She was like, you just touched every single bag. It is Terrible. You are awful. I can't believe you. And I was like, I'm trying to help. I don't know who you are. I don't, at that moment, I thought about this. I was like, mm, I know Jesus. I got the Holy Spirit in me. I stepped back. And I was like, no, I'm not going to call fire down upon this lady. <laughs> you could see how the disciples, this would have been something they'd want to do hey, that whole village, they rejected you, they rejected us, they're not on our team, let's call fire down upon them. Jesus is like, I don't think you guys get it. The kingdom-minded people do not call fire down upon people who reject Jesus. Let me restate that. People who are kingdom-minded do not call fire down upon people who reject Jesus. By the way, These might be political enemies. These might be non-believing people who you see as someone who's persecuting you, who might really feel like they're your enemy. These might be people of other religions who have no interest in Jesus at all, where it would be easy to say, I would be happy to call fire down upon these people. I would be happy to curse these people. Fine. You don't want to know about Jesus? Great. Good luck with you. This is what Jesus calls us to do as kingdom-minded people. He says, no, if you find someone who rejects me, guess what? They're the purpose of the church. This is what we're called to do. Look what Jesus says. He says he turned and rebuked them. He went, you guys have to be kidding me. You still don't get it. You think this is a war where we need to call fire down upon these people, and I'm trying to tell you, I came to reach those people. The most obstinate. The ones who have no interest in Jesus. The ones who are practicing other religions. I came to reach those people. It says, and then he and his disciples went to another village. He went, no, I'm not going to call down fire upon them. I I might just move on to a more fertile place. And you know what? We can come back to this one later. And I want you to know if you're a kingdom-minded person or a kingdom-minded organization, you realize your goal is to bring people into the kingdom who are far away from the kingdom. I spoke to um, a missionary uh, who had returned to the States and was working among uh, Muslims in the Twin Cities. And I asked him, what's the status of ministry happening with Muslims in the Twin Cities? Like, How does it look? Like, uh, are there Muslim people who have transitioned to Christianity? Are there churches of people who were Muslim before? Are there converts? Like, what does this look like? And he said to me, I have not known one person who was a Muslim in the Twin Cities who has transitioned to being a Christian. Not one. And he said there was a pastor who had transitioned from being a Muslim to being a Christian who was trying to reach into the Muslim uh, subgroup within the Twin Cities. And he said, and that person ended up committing suicide. He said, it is as bad as you think when it comes to reaching our Muslim brothers and sisters who are here in the Twin Cities, there's no way to reach them. They haven't been open to the gospel. We have tried and tried and tried. We have tried this technique and this method and this technique and this method and this technique and this method. And you know, some Christians would probably say, fine, let's call some fire down. But that is not a kingdom-minded way to deal with reaching people who are, not, who are far away from Jesus. This is what we're called to do, to reach people who are far away from Jesus. And you pull that out of that context and you put it into your workplace. There's that guy or that person who's not interested in hearing what you have to say again and again and again and again. But you know what? We don't call fire down upon them. We move on to a more fertile ground where we can share the gospel and we swing back around and we try again and we swing back around and we try again and we continue to understand this is our mission as kingdom-minded people is to reach people who are far from Jesus. Not to give up, not to be discouraged, not to curse or call down fire upon people, but to say we're called to continue to reach into these groups of people. Kingdom-minded people and organizations stay on mission. We understand that no matter what's happening around us, no matter how people are responding to the gospel, that we need to continue to stay on mission. The mission is to create God's kingdom wherever we are, to enlarge his kingdom, to reach people with his gospel, to share his love with people who don't know it, to continue to reach people who are far from Jesus. That's our mission. It's not just our mission. It's our mission, big K, mission. It's our mission alongside of all the other churches who see this as their mission. It's our mission alongside of all the other Christians who see this as their mission. We will never reach the entire Twin Cities unless there are many, many churches and many people working together as kingdom-minded people and organizations. This is what it looks like to bring God's kingdom to earth. Let me close this in prayer today. Jesus Would you continue to burden our hearts for lost people? I thank you for the kingdom-minded nature of churches in our area that helped us get off the ground. And I pray, God, that we would be big K kingdom people who will continue to build your kingdom in every way possible. That Jesus, as you continue to reach people who you love and want to have a relationship, God, would you use this church and these people as part of that bigger picture. God, that we would reach people in the places that we live, the places that we work, in our neighborhoods, in our friend groups, in our families, God, that you would call us to be missional as you call this church to be missional. Help us to keep our eyes on your mission. And would you receive all of the glory.